Good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. You should be doing better than that because I came rolling in in the wee hours of the morning. Our men right now are at our men's retreat at Fort Caswell. If, you look, if you're new here today, you're looking around going, wow, the crowd seems light and very girl heavy. Uh, there's a reason for that. we got about 100 of our guys down at Fort Caswell this weekend for our men's retreat. Um, just been an amazing, amazing time. God's doing so much great stuff down there. Uh, they should be finished up and on the way home right about now. So pray for them as they travel back. But um, came back in late last night so I can be with you guys here today. Uh, as we worship together, I want to begin our time in prayer. So can you pray with me? 
Uh, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for your light and for your life. We ask you, Jesus, that you would empower us as we worship you here today, that you'll be glorified and made much of. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, everyone, stand with us. We're going to worship Jesus Christ together, lifting our voices, bringing honor and glory to our great God. Let's sing. to this week's announcements. Good morning, Southview. We are so excited that you chose to worship with us this morning. Here are your big three announcements for the week. 
If you're interested in being a part of this year's Halloween outreach, we encourage you to come to a meeting next Sunday, October 8th in the Family Life Center after the 11 o'clock service. We'll get you more information about how to reach out to your neighbors, how you can begin praying. We're gonna supply everything you need for that outreach. All you need is a heart to serve your neighborhood. Face to Faith is a ministry in our church that serves the homeless population here in Fayetteville. It's led by Joe and Chris Waters, and we would love for you to be a part of this ministry every Friday night, serving the homeless. We're going to have a brief informational meeting Sunday, October 15th in the Family Life Center after the 11 o'clock service. We would love to give you more information for how you can be involved in this amazing ministry. And lastly, our missions team here at Southview is hosting a pancake breakfast on Saturday, October 21st from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. You can purchase tickets online by texting the word pancake to our number 910-424-1298. Or you can stop by tables in the foyer today after service. If you haven't done so already, we encourage you to download the Southview Baptist Church app either on Google Play or iTunes. In that app, you can find information about announcements, sermons. You can even give online. Anything that you could do with the website, you can do on this app. So we encourage you to download it today. And there's two main ways that you can give here at Southview Baptist. You can give either online or in the giving boxes as you leave. And if you're a guest visiting with us this morning, we would love to begin to connect with you. If you would, please text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. That way we can get to know you a little better, you can get to know us, and we can find out how we can minister to you and pray for you. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning at Southview. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord together. Please stand and let's continue worshiping Jesus through song. Oh, well. Well, uh, have this, I'm so sorry. Before we, before we stand and we worship together, I want to just take just a second to lead us into some prayer. So uh, this weekend at our men's retreat last night, I shared with our men, I uh, taught Romans 6.4. And just want to read that to us and let that kind of guide us in our, in our prayer. Romans 6.4 says, We were buried therefore with him, by baptism in order to death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That last phrase, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So here's what I told our men. And I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave and is alive today? So we're going to, I'm going to tee that up one more time. So, okay, so do you believe that Jesus Christ physically rose from the grave and is alive today? All right, there we go. So here's what Romans 6, 4 teaches us. If you believe that Jesus rose from the grave and is alive today, then you also must believe that Jesus Christ has made you 100% completely new through faith in him. The point of Christianity is not for you to try to be a better you. The point of Christianity is for Jesus Christ to make you new. 
The old you is gone, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 would say. Behold, all new has come. You are a brand new creation. So here's what I want us to pray through today. In teaching how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Jesus says, pray like this. Here's how he begins the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is praying what's true on earth, let that be true on heaven. Let that be true. What's true in heaven, let that be true on earth. In the heavenlies, Jesus Christ has made you new. Let's take some time here this morning and let's pray and ask God to allow that new life to live out right here on earth. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. And, and as we dive in, number one, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want you right now just to take just a minute to praise Jesus for his resurrection life. He is alive today. And he will never suffer death again. He is reigning and victorious over all. Praise Jesus that he is alive. And since Jesus is alive, I want to ask you today, call out to him and say, Jesus Christ, help me to live out the new life that you've given me. You've made me new. Thank you for making me new. Empower me, Jesus, to live out that new life. I want to live new for you. Jesus, do this. Do this in us. Do this in in your people. Help us, Jesus. We need you for this. Thank you for your life, your resurrection life. And thank you that you make us new through faith in you. Empower us, Jesus, to live out that new life for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand back up with us. We're going to worship together. And as we worship, as you proclaim the words that are on the screen, I want you to sing that with a heart of faith. Like, this is true of God, so it is true of me. And by God's grace, I'm going to live out the new life that he has placed in me. Let's worship and sing together.
Scripture says, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let's continue to worship and sing.
thank you. We thank you, Lord, just for your life and your love. We ask you, God, that as we just spend time in your word, that you would, Holy Spirit, bring clarity and understanding and conviction and hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning to you yet again. Glad to have you with us. If you're a guest with us, my name is Brad. I am the pastor here at Southview. Great to have you with us today. Um, it is a bit of a different weekend for us. We got, a, again, about 100 of our guys on their way back from Fort Caswell for our men's retreats. Um, God just did some amazing, glorious things there. So uh, pray for them as they come back. Also, real quick housekeeping um, today at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a business meeting here in our FLC uh, to vote on Miss Emily Sellers as our new children's director. That's 4 o'clock today. If you're a member here, we'd love to have you come. Please be a part of that. All right. Hey, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to land here in just a moment. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So um, we're finishing up today a series we're calling Design. And the idea behind the series is um, searching the scriptures to find God's design and plan for sex and sexuality. What is that? How has God set that up? What is he wanting to accomplish in this? So kind of how we set it up was um, we um, began first with looking at our big idea for the entire series. And so I've told you through this entire series, if there's one big takeaway that I want you to have, it is this. Sex is not just a physical act of the body that uses the body. It is a spiritual act that uses the body. Sex is not like breathing or eating or drinking or sleeping. There's a normal physical act of the body. It's more than that. It's a spiritual act primarily that, yes, indeed, uses the body. And so we've been walking through that together. We saw, we began in the series a few weeks ago, 
looking at God's original plan and design for sex with Adam and Eve and how God desires for sex to be within the confines of heterosexual covenant marriage. God created man, God created woman. He brings them together in covenant marriage. He says in his word repeatedly that in doing that, he makes them one flesh. God makes them one. And so as he has spiritually made a husband and a wife one, sex is the physical outworking of that oneness, right? It all flows from that. So then what we did was we took um, some time uh, after that looking at some of the primary ways in our society that, sex out, that, that's, that God's plan for sex is distorted. First thing, a few weeks ago, we looked at sex outside of marriage, right? That's just um, uh, sexual relations with anyone you are not in covenant marriage with, right? Whatever that might mean or look like. And we saw that and saw that um, God's word again is clear that Sex outside of marriage is not by any stretch the worst of all sins, right? We're not categorizing anything. It's not the worst sin. However, it is a sin that seems to bring with it significant consequence. And, and, and again, the Bible is clear on that. Every other sin, you sin outside of your body. But for this particular sin, you're sitting in your body against yourself. And there are significant consequences that come with that. Then last week, we address the subject of pornography. What at its root is that? How it does indeed defile the soul? How it brings serious consequences and ramifications to both you who take part and those around you who you love? And how Jesus Christ desires to set you free from that. And then today... We're going to talk about the common distortion of the LGBTQIA plus uh, agenda and lifestyle and all that comes with that. So real quick before we jump into that, let me just say this. Let me just explain the heart behind it. Um, our desire today is not to um, point out particular sins. Our desire today is not to come across harsh or unloving in any way. Our desire today is not to um, come across as, you know, bullying or anything like that. Uh, We want to come across with a heart of love and grace and compassion, proclaiming truth. I understand in this room right now, this very second, we have people who have loved ones who are in this lifestyle. We have people in this room right now, this very second, who are personally struggling with being engaged in this lifestyle. And so I want you to hear me. Um, Today, the point is not to condemn you or judge you or to cause you to feel, again, beat up or bullied by any stretch. That's not our heart. Our desire today is just to proclaim truth and love. For the record, um, again, this is just a part of a bigger series, um, and I spent the last two weeks yelling at the straight people. Okay, so... It's just your turn. Um, I will say this. Um, the point of today is going to be just kind of a big, broad, 40,000-foot view. All right? Here's just broadly speaking what the Bible says. Um, I told the guys over the weekend, we had a ton of guys that wanted to come back uh, today um, for uh, the last part of our series. And I encouraged them not to. Um, But what I told them, I'll tell you, is this. Again, the point of today is just kind of be broad, 40,000-foot view of the topic. Um, Here's just broadly speaking what the Bible says. But the plan is we're going to come back in a few months and and, um, block off five or six weeks and really go very in-depth into exactly what the Bible teaches on this subject. 
Um, we're going to go through all the scriptures that address it and really lay out exactly what is going on here, what God specifically says about this subject and what the stance for God's people needs to be. And, and the reason that we're doing that is because I firmly believe, and I've been wrong about a lot of things, but I firmly believe that this issue is, if not the it's one of the top issues pushing in on our society as a result of that pushing in on our families, pushing in on our kids, and pushing in on the church in the United States of America. And it is extremely important that we make sure we understand exactly, have a good, robust, solid thorough biblical theological understanding of the issue of the topics and then practically how do we as gospel people live this out and walk in this and hold these truths with grace and love we need to have a real good conversation looking through God's word teaching and explaining exactly where this is so if Homosexuality is just one of the distortions and expressions of God's plan for sex. Why are we going to not just today, but again, in the not too distant future, take some time to really dive headfirst into it? And I believe it's because this issue, again, is a front burner issue. This distortion of God's design, here's the point. The active plan is for this to be 100% normalized. It's just the way life works. This is just the way our society works. This is just the way it is. If you do not agree with this, you're on the wrong side of history. And if you don't agree with this, you're now the bigot. You're now the bad guy. And so what we want to do is make sure that we really push in on this. This, this fight to normalize all that comes with LGBTQIA+. And the, by the way, in all of that, the most important one in all of that is the plus. Because that, by definition, the plus means this gets to keep going on for infinity. And you have to accept it or you're a bigot. You have to accept it or you're not really loving. No matter what letter they could tack on to the end. The goal is total normalization and total acceptance. The push for this has been clear. Um, I've already addressed with you last year the horrific defense of Marriage Act, which is a travesty, and your Republican Senator Tom Tillis voted for that. He needs to be primaried and fired for that. It's horrible. It's a travesty, a mockery of marriage. This push for normalization is coming after your children. Currently, the best stats we have say that 25% of Gen Z, which is sort of middle school, high school, college, 25% identify as some variation of LGBTQIA+. 25%? What is that if it's not the push to totally normalize it with your kids? Which is, this, is, it's just, this is everybody, right? 
Um, it, it's even being pushed in really like crazy ways. So just this week, I was cleaning up uh, at home was, and um, I had the TV on in the background. And I heard a commercial come on for Men's Warehouse. And because I was thinking about this, I just stopped and went, I'm just interested. Let's just see if they try to shoehorn stupidity into this. And I mean like on cue. So it's Men's Warehouse. The point of the Men's Warehouse commercial was we're the best place for you and your groomsmen to come get a tux for your wedding day. That's the commercial. So I'm watching it. Like let's just see what they do. And so sure enough, I'm watching it like we got the best, the best fashions for you and all your guys. And it's a picture of a groom standing there. Beside him are all of his groomsmen. Right in the middle, front and center, is an obvious woman dressed as a dude. So here's my question. Why would Men's Warehouse do that? Men's Warehouse? Like, it's in the title. Why would they do that? Because the goal is normalization. The goal is we're going to put this everywhere. And how dare you notice? bigot how dare you notice how dare you say so so i notice you got a lady dressed like a dude how dare you even notice that why would you even notice that are you staring at the screen to see if we put something crazy in there yeah because you put crazy in there like you did it the push for normalization is also coming after our churches and I know if you grew up in sort of mainline denominations, Episcopalian, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, this is old hat for you. That's why you're here. But it's coming for the evangelical church as well. Andy Stanley, that name should sound familiar to you. Um, he's the son of Charles Stanley, which is like he's on the Mount Rushmore of Christianity, right? So his kid, Andy Stanley, who is one of the most influential pastors in the world pastors one of the largest churches in america he just this week has announced that their church north point church outside of atlanta are hosting what they're calling the unconditional conference and here's how they build it no matter what theological stance you hold we invite you to listen reflect and learn as we approach this topic from the quieter middle space. So here's what they're saying, and here's what they mean. What they're saying is, hey, hey, this is going to be a chance for you to come for a conference. And listen, hasn't just the rhetoric been too loud? And everybody's yelling at each other. And everybody's getting angry. Listen, we're going to have a conference. We're going to come in. We're going to agree to lower the temperature. We're going to open the Bible together, and we're just going to see what God's Word says. That's how they're billing it. But that is a lie. That's not what they're doing. All you have to do to find out what they're doing is just pull up the list of speakers they have coming for the conference. Every one of them is either LGBTQIA plus affirming, which means it's something they're in whole heart approval of, or two of the guys are actually gay men serving as pastors Married to other men. And they're the ones that are standing and saying, hey, let's see what the Bible says about this. That's a good idea, right? 
uh, Al Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, wrote a great article about this in World Magazine. You can go to world.org and find this, ma- this article. It's fantastic. It's called um, The Train Has Left the Station, and he's referring to Andy Stanley's theology and Christianity. And here's what Al Moeller says. In truth, there is no middle space on these issues. It is no longer plausible to claim that such middle space exists. There is no middle space here. There is no middle ground. And trying to pretend like you're going to walk that is just a lie. So why is this being pushed and normalized? Well, I think a couple of things. I think there are some well-meaning Christians in an attempt to be loving and gracious are trying to do this. And I think it's in very unwise and unhealthy ways. But I think there's another thing going on. I think there's a demonic element as well. I think if we could push, pull back the curtain and see demonically what the agenda is, I think the agenda is this. I think demonically speaking, Satan desires to destroy the two most important foundations in the society— Family and church. That's what's happening. That's what they want to accomplish. They want the family to be destroyed, which by definition is what LGBTQIA plus does. Family ceases to exist in a biblical term. And second, it's coming after the church. And so for us, we've got to be willing to hold truth. And grace and love. So let's jump in together, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're just going to do verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I'm going to read that. And then we're just kind of, again, big 40,000 foot view. We're just going to go, hey, here are four or five big truths we want to have in our minds as we work through this, okay? Uh, So 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All right, so as we look at this text, uh, let let me just throw out a few big truths I just want us to kind of have in our minds. Again, 40,000 foot view as we move forward. One is this. Speaking the truth about LGBTQ plus is the most loving thing you can do. Speaking the truth is The most loving thing you can do. We can say you are wrong and you are loved. You can do that. Again, the push for the agenda is wholehearted acceptance and normalization. And dare differing with that means you don't really love me. And the problem is that's contrary to logic and the Bible. The very heart of the gospel is you are wrong. You are a sinner and you deserve consequence for your sin. But God loves you. So he sent away 
his son Jesus Christ for you to be saved for your sin and made right with him. The very heart of the gospel is you're wrong and God loves you. And if that's the heart of the gospel, then that should be our heart as well. In, in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Because Jesus is both, his followers should be. The Bible is clear. Our position is, the Bible is clear on this issue. And we must speak with that same clarity. I know there are a lot of people that are pushed back on that and say, no, 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 the Bible isn't clear on this. You say, well, well, I mean, the Old Testament says things, but there's a lot of weird stuff in the Old Testament, right? You don't live according to all of that, so you can't just go by the Old Testament. Well, a couple of problems with that. Number one, it, 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 I love you, but it shows a total ignorance in how to actually interpret and understand the Old Testament. Are there things in the Old Testament that no longer apply to us? Yes. But there are many things that very much do moral laws of God that speak to his character and nature that very much still apply to us and are expected to be obeyed. And and the problem with that as well is it's not just the Old Testament that talks about it. It's the New Testament also. I just read one of them. And then people go, okay, okay, okay. Well, it's in the New Testament. Yeah, but... Jesus doesn't say it. That's Paul. That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't say it. So if Jesus didn't say it, then I guess we don't have to do it. Well, the problem with that is, again, number one, it shows a total ignorance on how to actually study the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All of the Bible is inspired by God and is to be seen as such and obeyed. But the second issue with that argument is, well, Jesus didn't say it, so that, that, that doesn't mean that we have to do it. The problem is this. There are a lot of things Jesus didn't specifically say. When it comes to sexuality, Jesus did not say. He did not specifically address rape, incest, bestiality, pedophilia. Jesus didn't specifically say those are sins. So are those okay? Is that all right? Well, now, I think all of us would say, well, no, that's crazy. Of course those are sins. Those are horrible sins. So, so when it fits what you want it to be, then, then that works. But when it doesn't, then... As we dive into, uh, again, a more, more in-depth series in the future, we're going to walk through all of those issues specifically and all those scriptures, and we're going to see how it all lines up. But we must understand, at the end of the day, we must speak truth and love. So what is the truth? Let me show you that. The truth is this. The practice of LGBTQ plus and all that comes with it is a sin that keeps you out of the kingdom of God. Let me be very clear. You can't practice this lifestyle and be a Christian. They don't line up. You can't do that. 
And it's not just for this, it's for all sin, right? That's our position for all sin. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. First John, you cannot keep on sinning and also say you're in the light, right? That's what the Bible clearly teaches. But again, somehow for this issue, we try to figure out ways around it, which is why if you go back up to verse 9, I think it's so important. Look at that one little line there in verse 9. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? These people are not going to be saved. Look at this next little sentence. Underline it. Do not be deceived. This is going to be the issue. We're going to be tricked into believing. Maybe there's a way around it. And there's just not. It says there very clearly there in verse 9, those who practice homosexuality. So let's chat about that for a second. Is it possible for someone to be a follower of Jesus Christ and struggle with a temptation for homosexuality and things that would come with that? Okay, well, let me ask you this. Is it possible for you to be a Christian and you to struggle with heterosexual lust? Yeah. As a heterosexual Christian, are there temptations that you deal with and you have to say, no, I don't want that. Jesus, help me. I'm turning from that and I'm turning to you. Yeah. Same with this. Verse 9 says those who practice homosexuality. The issue is not, is this something that you struggle with? Is there something that we need to disciple you through? Is this something you need to trust Jesus with and seek him for empowerment from? All of that is very much true and can be real and understood in the life of a Christian. The issues are again going to be 1 John. You can't keep living in this. You can't walk in this. You can't practice this and also say that you're a Christian. You can't be in the darkness and the light at the same time. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as strong people of faith on both sides of this issue. That's just not true. The practice of LGBTQ plus is a sin that keeps you out of the kingdom of God. But I want you to see the next thing. My next point. LGBTQ lifestyles and activities are not the worst of all sins and should not be treated as such. If you go back there and look at that passage again, there are eight sins listed in there. A couple of other different kinds of sexual sins besides homosexuality. It's not the only thing listed. It's not the top of the list saying this is number one. It's not the bottom of the list as an exclamation point. It's just stuck literally right there in the middle. This is a sin that Jesus Christ died to set you free from. The problem is this. If we were to look at that passage and all the other sins, verse 10, if you got your Bible open. Here's the, here, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Here's how we're talking about this. Verse 10. First sin there mentioned in verse 10 is thieves. Imagine this. Someone comes in here today and says, um, so I steal stuff. But I need you to hear my heart. I believe God made me a thief. That's just who I'm created to be. I mean, if I don't steal stuff, I'm denying who I am. I mean, that's, that's my identity. It's who I am. I mean, I, I, to not steal, would, to not be me, we would look at them and go, 
so you're crazy. That, that doesn't make sense. God didn't create you a thief. Just like in this, God did not create you greedy. God did not create you a drunkard. God did not create you a swindler. God did not create you an idolater. What are those things? Those are sins of rebellion against God. Same thing is listed in here. It mentions heterosexual sexual immorality. That very first one there in verse 9. So again, some guy comes in here and his marriage is a train wreck. His wife's leaving him. His kids hate him because he's just obsessed with pornography. We sit down with him and he's like, what do you want me to do? Here's how God created me. We would say, what are you talking about? Same with this. No. It is not the worst of all sins. But it is sin. It needs to be seen as such. It needs to be dealt with as such. In love and in grace. Uh, fourth thing I want you to see, kind of just practically putting some flesh and bone on it. Since this is true, that everything connected with the LGBTQIA plus lifestyle and agenda, since it's all true that it's sin, then all of that must be rejected. I want to make it very clear. We must reject all that comes with it. Let's think through a couple of things. Uh, gay marriage. I mentioned that earlier. According to the Bible, gay marriage actually doesn't exist. Because God is the one who's defined what marriage is. And you can't change that definition and still use the same word. You don't get the rights to do that. So gay marriage actually doesn't exist. Now, there are legally understood relationships and they call it marriage but I'm saying from a Bible perspective it doesn't exist we have to hold that stance I spoke with a grandmother um, a while back who came and sat down with me her granddaughter is a lesbian and was entering into a marriage with her partner and grandmother was invited to the wedding. And grandma said, I'm not coming. I cannot come and pretend like I am supporting something that's an abomination. And her granddaughter sat down with her and said, oh, Grandma, look, I promise we're not going to take your picture and put it online so your friends at church aren't going to see and the grandmother looked at her granddaughter and said very clearly, the point is not will my friends at church see. The point is God sees. So I cannot come. We must reject everything that comes with this. The push for normalization. Pronouns. Chat about pronouns for a second. 
Why do they do that? Why do they ask you to give pronouns? Because it is a push to normalize. My child is a, my teenager is a freshman at Grace Creek High School. Grace Creek High School, right here. Right? We're not talking about you heard some crazy thing in some church, some, some school out and blah, blah, blah. Grace Creek High School, right down the road, freshman math class, day one. Teacher hands out a sheet of paper. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Top of the page, name. Second line, what are your preferred pronouns? Grace Creek High School, ninth grade, seven minutes that way. Why would a math teacher do that? Why would a math teacher do that? Because they want to make it normal for your kids. Of course everyone asks that question. Of course everyone considers that. Of course everyone seeks to to be hospitable in pronouns. Of course everyone does that. They want your kids to just, like fish swim, they think this way. That's the point. I said, so what'd you do? He's like, I just left it blank. I don't know. And if you... If you know my 12-year-old, so he was there at the table when we were having this conversation. My 12-year-old said, I, you should have put my pronouns are this is dumb. Well, you should have put. So but that's Adam. He's a, he's a different kid. But here's my point. Listen, we want to be kind. We want to be gracious. We want to be hospitable. We want to be loving. We, don't, we want to be winsome. We don't want to be, you know, mean, angry, yelling guy. That is not the point. But my point is this. We have to say no. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Just can't happen. This, this idea of pushing transgenderism on children? Children? Imagine you were reading all the names and titles and dates were taken off. All that's gone. All you read is an article about a civilization somewhere that would do practice genital mutilation on their children. That's all you read. You don't know the names. You don't know the dates. You don't know the century. You don't know where it's located in the world. All you read about is a society that practices genital mutilation on their children. You would say, that is godless and pagan. I'm so glad that's not us. And here we are. Schools. I mean, they can't give your kid an ibuprofen without your express written consent. But in the state of North Carolina right now, they can change their pronouns in their record and not tell you. They can do that. They can do that. Why? Why? Destroy the family. At the end of the day, you're not ultimately in charge of your kids. We are. Right? This push is crazy. If you're, and some of you I know may be in careers where counselors or teachers and you're in situations like this. And maybe you at some point might be put in a situation where a child is saying these things and you're being told you're not allowed to tell the parents and your question is, what do you do? You break the law. You break the law. Well, I might get fired. 
You can get fired over a lot dumber stuff than that. You might as well get fired over something that means something. And listen, I say this as someone who firmly believes my neck at some point is going to be on the line here. I'm firmly convinced of this. Like, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I'm truly not. Like, I'm, like, people are like, ooh, if the wrong person wins the next election, the country's going to end. They're all crooked. I hate all of them. Don't believe that. But here is what I believe. I think it's entirely possible in our lifetime we come to a point where this kind of sermon gets me arrested. Because now just saying things is violence. Disagreeing is violence. If I'm willing to put my neck out on the line, you should be too. Because truth matters. And for us as a church, all right, so how do we deal with this? What do we do? We're going to address these issues with grace and love and truth. So just real quick, just in case you don't know, let me tell you this, our, our, our bylaws, our voted on legally binding bylaws, we have in there statements of, 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 of um, uh, belief on all of these issues, where we stand on homosexuality and gay marriage and transgenderism and all these things. We have that clearly stated in our bylaws in case there ever comes a legal issue. We also have stated in there that you're only allowed to use the bathroom of your birth gender and all that's clearly stated in there. But how do we address this just one-on-one with people? What should we do? So say hypothetically someone attends her church, visits her church, who is transgender. It's a, it's a guy dressed like a woman. All right? It's happened. It's happened here. It's happened at other churches I've been a part of. It is going to keep happening. So what do we do? How do we address that? Well, I think we do a couple of things. Number one, we are welcoming and hospitable. We are gracious and we're loving. We are kind and we are compassionate. And we are abundantly clear. We're not going here to call people whatever pronoun they ask us to call them. And we're not going to do that for two reasons. One, practically, at some point, that's going to break down, right? So if someone comes in, they're clearly a dude, they say they're a girl, call me she, and we go, okay, well, we want to be, we don't even know these people, we're going to be kind, okay, ma'am, glad you're here. And they say, great, can you point me to the restroom? Like, yeah, right over there. Oh, no, no, not that one, that one. And they'll say, but you just called me ma'am. Why did you lie to me? You said that you were okay with you. you. The point is, practically speaking, at some point, it's going to break down. Right? At some point, we're going to have to say, can't go in that bathroom. Can't go in the ladies' retreat. Go in the student retreat. You can't room with the girls. Right? There comes a point where we go, no, you can't. And then they're going to look and go, well, why did, why did you pretend like you were okay with it then? The point is, we would be lying. Right? At some point, your soul's got to matter. So we got to be honest because practically at some point, the wheels are going to fall off on that. And second is this. Again, you cannot lie someone into gospel truth for the sake of being loving. No. It just doesn't work that way. 
got to be honest. We've got to be clear. We've got to be loving. We must fully reject and not pander because the goal is normalization. We can't be blind to that. We can't give in. And then last, I want you to see this. The answer to those who are involved in LGBTQ plus is the same as the answer to all sins, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 11 there, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That used to be who you are, but you're not that anymore. Why? Because Jesus Christ has saved you and made you new. That's what we want for every one of us. Regardless of what sin we might be wrestling with, what we want is for Jesus Christ to save us and make us new. Real quick, if you're here today and you're struggling with homosexual desire, you're wrestling with this. Let me just encourage you in a couple ways, okay? Um, one, um, I completely acknowledge, and I want to encourage you to acknowledge um, the pain and difficulty that I have no doubt comes in this. Of, of wrestling with this and, and this distorted, out of whack, disordered sexuality. My encouragement for you is find your identity not in, in, in those things, not in your disordered sexuality, but in God and who God has created you to be. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Like I said right there in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, Jesus Christ desires to wash you clean and make you new. Trust in Jesus. Let us help you. We love you. We want to minister to you, encourage you, bless you, pray for you, point you in direction of ministries that can help. We want to be a blessing. Let us help you. For parents. For parents. So as a parent... There can be few things more painful and agonizing than a wayward child. I mean, that, man, that just feels like a knife in the heart. And that can be hard, I know. And with that can come a lot of struggle and questions. Well, should we have done this? And could we have done that? And what about this? And did we do this too much? Or that not enough? Or did we push too hard here? Or not enough there? You could just make yourself literally sick with all of it. And to that, I want to encourage a couple of things. Number one, if God begins to bring to the surface a legitimate thing that you as a parent need to confess and repent of, then do that. Confess and repent that to the Lord. Confess to your kids. Look, I realize now that I I did this in raising you and I should not have. I'm sorry. We had an amazing, real quick, and I didn't share this in the first one, and I've already lost my time, so what do I care? So, during the weekend, we had testimonies, and a guy came in and gave a testimony. Man, 
that dude was raw and he was honest. And he said, I destroyed my family. My wife wanted nothing to do with me. My kids hated me. I accepted an assignment in Rock Island, Illinois. They stayed here. And we were just going to be a thousand miles apart because that was just the best thing because they didn't want to be around me. But God began to get a hold of my heart. And God began to do a work in my life. And I began to repent of my sin and truly pursue Jesus with everything that I had. God has, over time, it was long, but over time, God has restored my marriage. God's restored my relationships with most of my kids. He said, I'll be honest with you, I have one daughter who still doesn't want to talk to me. And I understand. I hurt her. I understand. But I'm praying that God's going to reconcile that. But what he showed was, even if your kids are grown and gone, and even if you would admit, I jacked that up. Man, there's even still now opportunity for God to do amazing things. If you're a parent in that spot, don't give up. Don't give up. Confess, repent, acknowledge it to your kids, to your family. Seek God for healing. If you have grown children who are involved in this lifestyle specifically, Love them. Pray for them. Speak biblical truth to them when it's the right time and they're going to hear it. And if you've ever been in those spots, you know there are times when it's good and times when it's not good. Seek the Lord for wisdom there. When to do that. And again, for you as parents... My encouragement for you is let the church be the church for you. Don't walk through this alone. Let us love you, encourage you, pray for you, help you. And then just for all of us, just a couple of just just thoughts for us as a church. The guideline is this. Normalizing wrong behavior endorsing wrong behavior, dulling that reflex and recoil from wrong behavior, like you're going to be told that like taking a step back from that is wrong. No, not taking a, not feeling the what? When that gets dulled, when that goes away, that is how societies and families or churches are destroyed. Some things are shameful. And it's actually a sin for you not to say it. Sometimes you need to take a step back and be shocked and dismayed and disgusted at the sins of others. And it's sin if you don't. Again, the goal is this. Dull that. 
so that it just becomes normal. And, and for us, again, I've been told over and over and over that we're just going to end up on the wrong side of history on this. And from a human earthly perspective, I think they're right. I think this is only trending in one way and it's not going to come back. So on one hand, I think they're right. On this earth, we are probably increasingly going to be on the wrong side. But here's the truth. We are not here to win elections. We are here to win souls. That's why we're here. We are not here to control Congress. We are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not here to play it safe and avoid conflict. We are here to boldly proclaim truth and love. And when we do that, by God's grace, for some, 2 Corinthians is going to say, the gospel is going to be the sweet aroma of life, and they will see Jesus and they will turn to him. But it's also clear for others, as we proclaim that for others, that message will smell like the stench of death, and they will hate you for it. And the good news is this. It's not our responsibility to determine which one that is. We're just to be faithful. We're just faithful, and we trust God to do what God does. Speak the truth in love. Trust God. Keep the glory of God as the center focus of your life as we bring glory to Him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And um, we're going to end our time here this morning worshiping Jesus. Just worshiping Jesus. And my hope here is that as we see Jesus for who he is and we worship Jesus we make much of Jesus we seek the glory and honor of Jesus we're drawn to him our lives are changed by him and we're empowered to proclaim his word for his glory out into this world Jesus do this in you in us we need this we need this. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship Jesus Christ together.
lift our voices to you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have a great week.